Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Shadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. And on this episode of Georgia Southern Extra, we've got Mike Anthony joining to recap the huge win over App State on Thursday night in Boone, North Carolina. We'll discuss the latest with the Eagles, including the key plays, moments, and players from Halloween night in Boone what the App State win means moving forward for this team. Um, An injury or two coming out of that game, some timely cramps. Uh, Our thoughts on the upcoming Troy contest this Saturday. Um, Some news and notes, including Georgia Southern men's basketball kicking off uh, tonight as we record this on a Tuesday night um, at Auburn and a pair of Georgia Southern running backs entering the transfer portal on Sunday evening. At the close of this episode, we'll have my interview uh, with Barry McKnight, Troy's radio voice. Um, As Barry joins to preview Eagles and Trojans, he'll also give his thoughts on the recent Troy visit to Georgia State Stadium. You'll definitely want to hear his amusing commentary on the Panthers stadium atmosphere or lack thereof, um, and definitely his scouting report report for the Trojans. Um, I, I think this is one of our better ones, our better interviews thus far. Barry does a great job of previewing this upcoming game and gives a real honest um, outlook of Troy so far and Troy as a whole. So we'll, we'll welcome on Mike Anthony right now. And Mike, I'll give you a chance to gloat about your correct prediction of Georgia Southern over App State. What a win that was. Yeah. Um, how, how far back in the past was that? I guess I can take credit for it, right? Yeah, yeah. You can take credit for it. Own it all you want, man. Honestly, I'm just still trying to thaw out from that game. Yeah, I can't even, imagine. I mean, the press box was nice and warm, but even just the the 20 minutes I was down there after the game getting interviews, that was – I mean, I'm from the Great White North. I lived most of my life in Pennsylvania as a kid, and that's as cold as I can remember being in a while. Well, yeah, I mean, it certainly didn't seem to harm the Eagles as they basically housed App State early on in that game. I thought they kind of ran out of steam at the end, but we'll, we'll discuss that um, – you know, in depth uh, later on in this episode. Let's touch on some news and notes real quick, get these out of the way. Uh, On Sunday night, we saw that Andrew Cunningham and Jared Daniels, two running backs um, further down the depth chart for Georgia Southern, announced via Twitter their intentions to enter the transfer portal. Um, Cunningham's a redshirt freshman, highly regarded out of Florida, has kind of dealt with injuries on and off. Um, He tweeted just after 7 p.m. on Sunday, and Daniels followed suit at 7 23 on Sunday. So 20 minutes apart from each other. Both guys have been removed from the Georgia Southern official roster. Um, And, you know, this isn't uh, huge news, but news nonetheless. I don't blame either one of these guys. I don't think most of you listening um, think that way either. So I I think this is something that will start to occur, occur more and more often across college football. Guys want to play, and when they see the writing on the wall that they aren't going to play wherever they are, they leave. And good on them, you know. Go your own sweet way, as they say. I don't have any problem with it. I don't, I, you know. I don't, Mike. I don't need to ask you. I know you don't have a problem with it. Um, I will ask you this, Mike: Is this kind of transfer portal and, and Georgia Southern's, you know, increasing familiarity with the transfer portal? Is this something you foresee? Uh, 
you know, continuing. I, I think this is, some, in other words, I think this is something that we'll have to get used to from here on out. You'll see guys entering the portal um, and, and exiting the portal left and right, uh, either preseason, postseason, or in this case, during the season. Uh, for you, any takes on that, Mike? Yeah, I think it's going to be something that every team is going to have to deal with. And when you're a team like Georgia Southern that is as specialized as they are, they like to run the ball. You know, you're going to see, I would assume, in the coming years, if nothing changes, you're going to see a lot of guys at the receiver position, at the running back position, you know, come in, get a look at things, and as much as you can tell them about what they're stepping into as a high school senior, you know, they all have rose-colored glasses. All of them think that they're going to come in and just be the man, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. And, you know, for those that want to wait and put in the work and work their way up, that's great. And like you said, you know, it is what it is. Everybody's got their own choice. The NCAA is making it easier for them to uh, to have a second choice if they want to. So you really can't blame them. I think that uh, Georgia Southern coach Chad Lunsford does a good job of uh, uh, realizing that that's kind of a new reality that he's dealing with. So, yeah, I think that for Georgia Southern, this is going to become the new normal. There's going to be receivers that don't touch the ball as much as they want to that will move out. There's going to be running backs who – have been great their entire lives and who get here and uh, realize that they're fourth or fifth or maybe even sixth on the depth chart and they move on because they want to start sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Let's leave that right there. Um, Before we continue with football, let's talk about the men's basketball season beginning um, its first Tukey-less season uh, in a long time. Tuesday night at Auburn, uh, as we were recording this, Georgia Southern is playing at Auburn. Uh, the men's basketball team under Mark Byington has been remarkably consistent. Um, I, that's undeniable. They're basically a lock for 20 wins every year. They're basically a lock for a top four Sunbelt seed every year. This year, they are predicted to finish third in the Sunbelt Conference. And Mike, uh, I'll kind of let you go first on this one. I think I have a little bit of a harder take than most on this. Is is Georgia Southern's third place in the league, is that prediction, if it holds true, is that good enough? Um, I would think that uh, now that Byington has been in here for, I think this is his sixth year. I could be mistaken. It might be the fifth, could be the sixth. But either way, he has uh, had more than enough time to get in recruits and to his uh, credit, He's brought in the best recruits that Georgia Southern's ever seen as a whole, you know, getting them all into one team in this program's history. And as you said, they've become a consistent winner, which I know that the fans want to see an NCAA tournament berth. It hasn't happened in going on 30 years now, but you can't deny the fact that they've been as a whole better than they usually have been. They've been winning more games than they ever have before. It's just a matter of can they get over that big hump and get to that national tournament. So I would think that, you know, yeah, it would be a bit of a disappointment if they can't do better than third, not to say that things don't happen, you know, injuries pop up, uh, losses happen, shots go in when they shouldn't, shots don't go in when they should. But yeah, I think that this is a Georgia Southern that knows that it's good enough, like you said, to be a top three, top four team, but they're tired of being just that. They want to be the top team. Yeah, and that and that's kind of my take on this. This is Byington's seventh year, by the way, but that's super close, Mike. I think I think this team just needs to be You're getting old. Yeah, that's true. But but your memory, that's not gonna fade. We know that. Yeah. 
I think, listen, I think this team needs to be contending in the final day of the Sunbelt tournament. And I think really anything before March, before the Sunbelt Conference tournament is gravy because this team has performed in the regular season in the past. That's, you know, we don't need to uh, further establish regular season success for Georgia Southern men's basketball. So for me, this regular season is going to be about preparing for the Sunbelt Conference tournament. Obviously, you want to get a good seed in that um, and you want to avoid playing on the first day, hopefully avoid playing on the first two days in that ridiculously formatted Sunbelt tournament in the heart of Louisiana. Uh, I think I think if Georgia Southern doesn't advance out of the Sunbelt, it cannot be looked at as uh, um, you know an ultra successful season. Obviously, there are ways that they don't make the NCAA tournament and you can still call it a quote-unquote good season. But there's a lot of uh, kind of consistency that, that leaves a lot to be desired with Georgia Southern men's basketball. And when you have Ike Smith returning, Quan Jackson returning, you've got newcomers like Travion Lamar out of Jenkins and Savannah. You've got Trey Dawkins as a senior coming back. Um, you got Simeon Carter coming back, but we learned late Tuesday night um, uh, in a really, <laughs> no other way to describe it, a news dump 22 minutes prior to Georgia Southern tipping off against Auburn that Simeon Carter, the transfer from Iowa State two years ago, is suspended indefinitely for violating team rules. So do with that what you will. But either way you look at it, this team has a lot um, to prove as a program when it comes to playoff time. I think you'll see a successful regular season, and then I think you'll you'll see that, that there'll be a lot on the line come Sunbelt Conference tournament time. Let's leave uh, men's basketball right there if you're good with it, Mike. Yeah, I mean, kind of like what you said, uh, this is a team that needs to progress further, but that's where it gets tricky. It's a team that expects to win 20-plus games, but then you get to the whole progressing into the tournament or the national tournament. So you you get left on that really razor-thin edge of they're definitely good enough to get there. They could beat any team in the Sunbelt on any night. I think that Nobody would argue that, but it's a matter of when you get to that single elimination tournament, when are they going to get to the point where they can put two or three games together? Yeah, I agree with you. Let's jump to Georgia Southern App State, Mike. Georgia Southern 24, number 20, App State 21. Holy shit, what a win. Where do we begin with this one? Let's start with the general storylines coming out of this one, Mike. I did want to touch on one thing I thought was, uh, you know, Interesting. I'll, I'll say the word interesting. In the first quarter, ESPN flashed a graphic um, showing the number of Georgia Southern injuries this year. And obviously, you guys know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that that list of Georgia Southern injuries is lengthy um, and prestigious uh, by the names on that list. Logan Wright, Jacob Cooper, Brian Miller, to, to name a few. In that ESPN graphic, it showed Quan Griffin as one of the injured Eagles this season. Uh, Griffin, as we know, is not injured. Um, he is in jail in Florida, and so I thought that was interesting. I don't know, Mike, if you've had a chance to go back and rewatch any of the game, but uh, and I'm not sure if you even knew that, but Quan Griffin listed on the injury graphic for ESPN I thought was a little amusing. That would be some of the ESPN's crack reporting when it comes to uh... – 
teams that they don't usually cover. That's right. The worldwide leader, folks. Uh, let's stay on the injuries thing. Most of the players that were injured in this game for Georgia Southern were cramps, some uh, some timely cramps, I would say, for some of the players. Uh, Kendall Vildor did leave with 52 seconds left in the second quarter. Um, I thought when Vildor left, that had a, a, a lot to do with App State's ability to kind of just cruise the field uh, at the end of the second quarter. Not all of it, but uh, that is notable that Vildor left early in that last drive of the second quarter and did not return in the game. He is day-to-day, says Lunsford on Monday. Um, Others who left the game, most returning, Jay Bowdry left leg cramp in the third quarter. Uh, Raynard Ellis cramp as well in the third quarter. C.J. Wright, who played his ass off on Thursday night, left in the third quarter as well. So did Raymond Johnson. All of those guys um, are were cramps for the most part. Um, Raymond Johnson actually came back in and played some nose tackle on the final drive, on the final App State offensive drive when Georgia Southern was playing mostly defensive ends in obvious pass situations. So a lot of guys that kind of went down in this game, Mike. But one thing I noticed is so many guys made a couple of plays. So many guys that, that I thought early it was star power for Georgia Southern. Um, you, you saw Raymond Johnson with a huge sack. Uh, you saw Kendrick Duncan Jr. really bring some fire uh, on that defensive side. He led the team with 11 tackles, but in that first quarter, he stopped. Uh, it might have been Darrington Evans stopped an app player um, between the tackles in the hole and really, really uh, uh, talked about it after after he made the tackle. Uh, you know, I thought that really got Georgia Southern going. Early, it was the Stars. I thought in the middle portion of the game, there were a lot of guys that stepped up uh, that haven't necessarily been Stars for Georgia Southern. I think of guys um, like Randy Wade, who has just really been ultra-consistent at that linebacker spot. Um, Jay Bowdry played really well. Donald Rutledge played really well. Jesse Liptrot played a hell of a game uh, in Kendall Vildor's stead when Vildor went out in the second quarter. Guys like Parker Devine on the defensive line. Ty Phillips and C.J. Wright at nose tackle rotating were excellent. Um, And really, I can't say enough about the effort that Georgia Southern brought early in this game. Uh, Mike, what did you see um, as far as your takeaways early in this game and kind of uh, some guys that stood out for you, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball? I thought Georgia Southern was one drive away from keeping App State scoreless in the first half for the first time in a long time. And we're talking about a top 10 offense in the country here. Georgia Southern defensively was, I thought, excellent, Mike, uh, especially in the first half. Yeah, when you when you talk about the Georgia Southern defense, like you said, uh, the injuries, they were they were mounting by my count. About two-thirds of the starting defense was out at some point or another, some of them just for a couple of plays with a cramp, but some for extended time. You know, Jay, uh, Kendall Vildor never came back in. Uh, Jay Bowdry went to the locker room, was out for over a quarter before coming back in. Some other guys exited in the key times. And, you know, you mentioned some of the less heralded guys coming up big and going back to Monday's press conference. Uh, Rashad Bird, uh, another big part of the defense, starting linebacker, you know, he was on the record as saying, you know, hey, they have uh, a confidence not just in the guys who start the game, but in anybody who's going to be playing defense for them. If they're out there, they expect all of them to play, whether they're a, a freshman or a redshirt senior, they expect all of them to play like a starter. And that's kind of the mentality you need. That's performance you need when you're going up against an offense like App State has. And to Georgia Southern's credit, no matter who was in there, that's what they were able to do. 
I know they gave a little bit in the final minutes of the first half. They gave a little bit in the uh, fourth quarter when App was really rallying to their credit. They, you know, they, they didn't have all those offensive numbers for no reason, but uh, Georgia Southern able to dig down and get just enough plays to make it hold up and get a win up in Boone. Yeah, and what, what a huge win it was uh, in the win. Monquavian, Brinson, and Shywertz earned some records. Brinson, uh, with three passes defended, is now the SBC's, all, the Sunbelt Conference's career record holder in passes defended. Uh, Thursday night, he had three of them. He played lights out, I thought. Um, he passes Blaze Taylor of Arkansas State, who had 36. Um, and obviously, Brinson still has some time to kind of pad that record, now sitting at 36. Wirtz was fantastic, um, I thought, on Thursday night. 13 attempts for 83 yards and a TD for Shy. Shy becomes the seventh Georgia Southern quarterback uh, in school history to rush and pass for over 2,000 yards in a career. He's now got 2,016 rushing yards, and on his 55-yard touchdown run, uh, he passed App State quarterback, former App State quarterback Taylor Lamb for fourth in Sunbelt history in rushing yards by a quarterback. And uh, next up will be Kevin Ellison, a name that Georgia Southern fans should know. Ellison rushed for 2,378 yards as a Sunbelt quarterback. Now, Ellison's career totals are higher than that, but as a Sunbelt uh, quarterback, Ellison, 2,378 rushing yards. So that's next up for Wirtz, who has 2,016 rushing yards. Mike, I don't want to leave Wirtz without letting you know. 166 straight now without an interception. That is the second longest active streak behind South Carolina's Ryan Holinsky, who App State will play on Saturday. Um, Mike, for Wirtz, I wanted to say this. Uh, I thought... His decisions in the first half and really throughout the game, his decisions with the option, um, his decisions with the ball in his hands throwing, uh, when to throw it, when not to throw it, uh, when to take a chance, when not to take a chance were excellent. In the first quarter, um, his 16-yard completion to Mark Mashad on a, on a really stiff out route on third down for 16 yards was a gigantic play in this game. Um, and if Wirtz did not complete another pass, he didn't. Um, that at least showed App State that on third downs, Georgia Southern is able to pass the ball. They didn't do it again, but that showed early on that Georgia Southern and Shy Wirtz had that ability, and I thought that was really crucial. Um, and to that end, Georgia Southern on third downs um, in this game w- was pretty good up until the fourth quarter, at least. They were pretty good. They were averaging, wait for it, Mike, 6.9 yards per third down play. So that's nice right there. How'd you think Wirtz played, Mike? Yeah, I think that he did a great job of managing the game, um, especially in those conditions. I know that Georgia Southern gets a knock for not passing the ball. They rarely do, even in the best conditions. Obviously, they haven't seen anywhere near good throwing conditions for a month now. But, you know, like you like you mentioned, when they really needed a play, when it was nothing-nothing and they needed to be the first one, I think that in that game, if they were going to win, they needed to be the one to draw first blood. And that pass to Mark Mashad, that 16-yarder on a third down, on third and intermediate, you know, like you said, it, it kind of proved a point. And even if they didn't have to prove it again, it at least put that thought in App State's mind somewhere. And, you know, I can think of another time even going into the win where Shywert took a shot and it was pretty much on point, a little bit overthrown, but it was a well-thrown ball that had no chance of getting intercepted, showed that 
you know, Georgia Southern wasn't going to hesitate to take a shot if they thought they were going to get it. So I, I really think that that game was managed well, not only by offensive coordinator Bob DeBest, but also by Shy Wirtz every time that he had to make a choice. I really think that he made uh, the right one. Sometimes the right choice is an aggressive one. Sometimes the right choice is a conservative one. I think that he managed that game perfectly. And every time they had a chance to make at state pay, they did. Yeah, Wirtz was excellent. I thought Bob DeBest was excellent, too, in distributing the ball. J.D. King, 21 carries for 69 yards. Mike, that's nice. Wesley Kennedy, though, 13 attempts, 145 yards, and two touchdowns. Kennedy is a man on a mission right now. Um, and I, I think it's pretty clear right now that J.D. King and Wesley Kennedy and, you know, even Bob DeBest have figured out a way to distribute the ball, not, maybe not evenly in terms of attempts, but figured out a way to distribute the ball uh, properly to all of their weapons. And, and I think, you know, App State, the game against App State might have been the best example of that uh, by far, probably. Uh, it was mostly Kennedy, King, and Wirtz, and I, I, for my money, that's the way it always should be. Defensively, Michael, I want to jump right back to this side of the ball again. 13 Eagle defenders had two or more tackles in this game, and like I said, there were just a lot of guys making plays at all different levels. Six tackles for loss uh, by the Georgia Southern defense in this one. Um, I think Georgia Southern lost uh, a total of eight yards running the ball. So they had eight yards going backwards. And when you're running it as often as they are, that's that's pretty phenomenal, especially against an App State defense that was formidable coming into this one. Uh, Mike, what, what did you think late in this game? There was a lot of talk about Georgia Southern defenders C.J. Wright and Jay Bowdry dropping simultaneously uh, with quote-unquote cramps. Uh, I don't know where I stand on this one, but let me just lay this out. Uh, it was a fourth and two upcoming. Um, Georgia Southern, the, cl- the clock was not running. Uh, Georgia Southern was a friend of the clock. You, you wanted the clock to run faster. When Bowdry and, and C.J. Wright both drop, they're both looking at the sidelines, uh, and they both drop simultaneously. So that's kind of a check mark in the in the camp of they did it on purpose as a strategy. But we already established that Bowdry and Wright had both left earlier in the game uh, separately with cramps. Uh, we know Bowdry's was a left leg, and that was the that was the leg he was grabbing on this play. For me, if Georgia Southern strategically, first off, if Georgia Southern strategically wanted to fake cramps, I don't care because every other team in the country is doing that. And if you're not adapting, then you're dying. You, you know, it's not revolutionary anymore for that for you to see that. I think of the Notre Dame Georgia game earlier in the year when Notre Dame players were doing it. If the referees aren't going to stop it, then you know more power to you. But I'm just not convinced this one was on purpose. It, it certainly looks like it, but I can't figure out a reason why Georgia Southern would want to do that. Why would they want to give App State and Zach Thomas essentially a free timeout on fourth and two? App State ended up converting um, that that following fourth down. Why on earth would Georgia Southern want to give them a free timeout? Uh, and you know, Bowdry and Wright, if two guys are going to drop uh, with cramps, I don't know that you would pick those two. So I, I, I'm kind of torn between this one. It certainly looks like they drop on purpose, 
but I can't figure out why they would do that. Do you, do you have any takes on that kind of scenario, Mike? Yeah, I'll go ahead and play devil's advocate. Like you said, every team in the country does it, and I can't think of a good way to stop it. You know, no no uh, ref is going to just leave a guy laying on the ground and say, play on. You can't have that sort of liability because one of these times uh, someone actually will be hurt. But I, I think that when you boil it down to what you were talking about just a few minutes before about, uh, you know, the the desperation mode that App was in, in that situation, you know, they, they didn't have uh, – uh, any choice but to try to go downfield and Bowdery more of a run stopper from the secondary uh, CJ Wright more of a a run stopper a lane clogger in the uh, middle of the uh, uh, middle of the line so those would probably be even though they're two of your better overall and more experienced uh, defenders for Georgia Southern they might be two of the better candidates that you could have go down and uh, give your defense a little bit of time to regroup and uh, you know again you know you said the clock wasn't moving. So basically you're dealing with 25 seconds either way. App's going to have that time. So if Georgia Southern thinks that it's on its heels a little bit and needs a little time to regroup, take a breath, think some things over, you know, those would be probably the two guys I would have flagged too. So not blaming Georgia Southern. Again, everybody does it. It's a loophole. It's a loophole that gets exploited by everybody. I I wouldn't go as far as you do to try to say that it might not have been intentional. I think it was, but. You know, I, you can call it bad sportsmanship, but, you know, when it's something that obviously is a tactic that every defense in the country employs, you know, I, I don't know why you shouldn't. I mean, what what are they supposed to uh, uh, just wave the moral flag and uh, play with a gas defense? And if they lose, say it's okay because we did it the right way. No, hell no. If there's one thing that I'm not here for. It's a rivalry uh... game. The conditions are terrible. You get that win any way you can. Yeah, you're damn right. I mean, I don't and think... And Apple would have uh, done the same damn thing. Everybody who's wringing their hands up in Boone, I, I, I dare them to say with a straight face that if it was the the uh, uh, the roles were reversed and Georgia Southern were in the middle of the comeback, go ahead, look me in the eye and say that you wouldn't have done the same thing if Georgia Southern was on the verge of completing the comeback and you needed a, 10 more seconds to get your defense in order. Yeah, exactly. I, and I don't know that there are... You know, I'm not saying that there are a bunch of App State fans, you know, clamoring about that. I don't know that that was, like I say, App State converted that following fourth down, so it really became a moot point. Um, Mike, let's close out App State with this. How worried are we, if at all, about the fourth quarter play of Georgia Southern? Um, this is probably a little bit nitpicky, but Georgia Southern didn't finish in the fourth quarter. I mean, they held on for dear life. I think it was a product of them playing so hard uh, and so many guys in those first three, three and a half quarters, I, I think it was pretty evident. And, and, you know, if we're all being true to ourselves, I think we can all admit Georgia Southern ran out of steam there in the fourth quarter. And that's completely understandable. You had just taken the number 20 team in the country to the limit um, and, and dominated them in the first three quarters, but they ran out of steam in the fourth quarter offensively for Georgia Southern, five fourth quarter drives, four, three and outs and one, four and out. Um, I'm a okay with Lunsford going forward on that fourth down, by the way, um, in comparison, Appalachian state had 11 fourth quarter for first downs. So Georgia Southern's defense and their offense were holding on for dear life, but it was certainly enough. Mike, are we worried at all about what happened in the fourth quarter? Uh, you know, as far as looking at Georgia Southern moving forward, does that shape how we look at this one? 
Yeah, um, I think that looking at the stats, yeah, it looks pretty ugly. I, I think that you would have seen a much different stat line if that was a seven-point game in the fourth quarter rather than uh, where it was is, what, a 17-point game at one point in the uh, fourth quarter. Right. So, yeah, I think that Georgia Southern had spent a lot of gas in building that lead, and, you know, they they kind of ran out of ideas. They got pretty conservative, but you can also say that, you know, they were playing the percentages, they were playing the odds, they were playing the math. The math says that when you are down – 24 to seven with eight and a half minutes left like app was when they scored that first touchdown chances are you can't come back and Georgia Southern played into that and it almost cost them you know I give app all the credit in the world not only did they get stops they got stops quick they got at least one of those uh touchdowns in the fourth quarter pretty quickly and you know to the point where they didn't even have to onside kick after their second touchdown so it really backfired there against Georgia Southern they almost uh uh, you know, gave App way too much time. In fact, they did, but then Georgia Southern puts it on their defensive shoulders, and much like they did for the first three quarters, they're able to come up big and get the stops. Yeah, I don't. And for me, you know, I don't. I don't take much stock in the fourth quarter as far as you know, looking negatively on Georgia Southern moving forward. If they can play that way uh, for the first three quarters, I don't think there's going to be a lot of fourth quarters um, that they'll be uh, that that'll be too problematic for Georgia Southern. Um, Mike, I, I do want to let Barry McKnight do most of the previewing for Troy, but how much right now, uh, as we sit here on Tuesday night? midweek heading into Troy on Saturday. How much does this feel like last season heading into Louisiana Monroe? Now, when Georgia Southern went to Monroe last year, they gave up 44 points. That was the most points they gave up all season, including to the eventual national champ, Clemson. Uh, I think this game will tell us a lot as to how mature and how much Georgia Southern learned from last year. Last year, you beat App State, then you get ULM and Troy back-to-back. You lose both of them. Now you get Troy on the road and ULM at home. I think for for Georgia Southern heading into 3-5, and 1-3 and three Troy, this is a chance to show that you've turned the corner as a program, that you are a bona fide Sunbelt Conference champion contender. And forget all of the actual ramifications of this game, which there are many. Uh, I think... For Georgia Southern's sake, if they can come out and win this game and play well, they've showed that they now can put together a, a really monumental win in App State, uh, one of the biggest in program history. We talked about that last week, Mike. I don't think that's an overstatement. One of the biggest wins in your program history. Can you back that up now with a win that you're supposed to get on the road in the conference against a perennial, maybe maybe they're down this year, but a perennial Sunbelt contender um, in Troy. Can you do that? Uh, I'm worried about this one against Troy, Mike. It feels a lot like it did last year against ULM. We know after ULM that Chad Lunsford said something to the effect of we came out and got smacked in the face um, against ULM. Hopefully this week, against Troy, Georgia Southern does most of the face smacking and not the other way around. How, how do you see this one shaking out, Mike? And do you get the feeling that it's similar to last year? Yeah, I agree that it feels exactly the same as last year. But the good news is that, you know, last year's Georgia Southern team didn't know what this situation felt like. They were riding the coattails of whatever it was, a five-game winning streak. It just beaten a ranked team. 
uh, had qualified for a bowl already. We're riding on cloud nine when everybody thought that they'd be doing great just to try to get back to four or five wins and, you know, mediocrity. And then they go in and like you said, fell flat two games in a row, but they they have that experience and it's the same guys who weren't able to get it done last year. They're going to be trying to get the job done this year. And uh, Coach Lunsford was quick to point that out. You know, 10 minutes after the App State game, they're still celebrating in the locker room, but he's out there in the freezing cold talking to all of us, saying that, you know, he just told all of them and he had heard it right back from his players that, you know, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to celebrate for a few minutes here. And after that, we know exactly what the deal is. You know, you've got to go to the really the same two in the next two weeks, the same two teams that did in their conference championship hopes last season. And they've got those two again. So I, I really think that while it is a trap game, while it could be something where, you know, maybe you get caught a little flat-footed, I, I think that there are so many guys who had to go through that tough two-game stretch last year that maybe not physically, but at least mentally, they are not going to be taken off guard this time around. Yeah, I hear you, Mike. And I think I think that uh, – you know, I don't know how to phrase this. I, I think that it, it's undeniable after Jordan Wiggins that this team has banded together. I, I, you know, I don't know the proper way of phrasing it, but I'll just say it like that. Something has changed with this team. You can feel it as tangible. Something has changed, and there's a sense of urgency and a sense of responsibility uh, with this team now. And boy, if you asked me a month ago, the outlook for this team, as opposed to right now, it is certainly different. Uh, obviously, the wins on the field go a long way in that, but Mike, I'm really, really, really high on this Georgia Southern team right now, and and I think if you're asking me today who the front runner is to win this conference, it's got to be Georgia Southern in the East, right? Uh, I mean, you can definitely make that argument. I had similar discussions the last uh, couple of days, and you know, there are plenty of teams that are good enough to beat Georgia Southern on any day, but as far as momentum goes, as far as how teams are progressing, yeah, I agree. You know, uh, uh, for everything that this team's been through, from the funny to the absurd to the tra- the tragic, you know, you, you look at fall camp, you have to deal with a starting quarterback and, you know, a bird excrement, to put it lightly, and something, an arrest that goes into the national news that you can kind of laugh at, but it's a distraction. And then you have a bunch of injuries that, you know, are something a little more serious, but you try to get over it. It's something that happens to everyone. Then you have something tragic like Jordan Wiggins. And, you know, there's no way to get over that. And it's something that a win can't fix. And yet they continue to persevere. So, you know, I I usually kind of get on the the more vocal coaches, the rah-rah coaches, as I call them. And I, I don't blame anyone for thinking that Chad Lunsford with all the social media kind of fits that bill as a, you know, a hype man, a rah-rah coach. But to look at everything that this team has endured and how they're not only persevering but getting better, there's something more than just him putting on a good face, him, you know, being friends with all of his players. There's something more than that. And he's getting the best out of this team, even in their darkest times and even when they're most hurt and most uh, wanting for a win. That, that to me, says something about his abilities as a head coach and something about this team's ability to get even better moving forward. No doubt. Let's leave it right there, Mike. Uh, we will uh, send you guys now to my interview with Barry McKnight. Uh, first, Mike, you want to let everyone know how to follow you and track your stuff? 
Uh, yeah, you can read me in the Statesboro Herald or online at uh, statesboroherald.com. We put out videos throughout the week at statesboroherald.com. And on game days, you can follow me on Twitter at, at HeraldGSSport. All right, and for us at the Savannah Morning News, you can read all of our Georgia Southern coverage at savannahnow.com slash sports. Uh, sign up for the Georgia Southern newsletter sent out every Tuesday night for your Wednesday morning reading. You can sign up for that at savannahnow.com. That's 100% free. Uh, do want you guys to follow along on Twitter at Jadon Sports SMN. Uh, you can email me, tjadon at savannahnow.com. And then rate and subscribe to this podcast <clears throat> on Spotify, Google, iTunes, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. Only rate it if you're going five stars, homies. Now we'll send you guys uh, to my interview with Barry McKnight, previewing Troy. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter, and this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage, click get our newsletters and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. All right, we're joined now by Barry Barry McKnight of Troy University. Barry is the voice of Troy Athletics um, and will help us scout the Trojans ahead of Georgia Southern and Troy on Saturday at 3.30 Eastern time um, in Troy. Barry, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Looking forward to this one for us. It's it's just good to be back home. We've only been on the road for two weeks, and uh, the road has not been kind to the Trojans, so it'll be good for us to get back to the vet at the very least. Yeah. And as we know, in this conference, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there used to be a lot of kind of gimme wins. It doesn't seem like there are many of those uh, these days now, especially on the road. Well, yeah, I remember, and this is my 18th year as the voice of the Trojans. When, you know, when we first joined the league, you had a few schools back then FIU, FAU, you know, some of the other ones that you could pretty much, you know, count as, as a victory. Uh, things have changed so much. There are no games on the schedule. Even over the last three years when Troy was winning, you know, 31 games, you could never look and say, okay, that's a win, or we're definitely going to win there, so let's chalk that up. And that's a credit to just how much and how evenly across the league that this conference has evolved everywhere. Everybody's better. Everybody's facilities are nicer. Everybody's coaches have more resources instead of just, you know, kind of top heavy in the league whenever I first got involved. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I I think what's interesting about this league has been the way in which different programs have kind of ascended and everyone's kind of gone about it a different way, you know, showing that there are no really right or wrong ways to build your program. But Barry, let's talk about Troy thus far in 2019. They enter with a three and five overall record and a one and three 
record in the Sun Belt. If you could, for Georgia Southern fans listening, kind of summarize that three and five record to date um, and kind of what's gone right and what's gone wrong for Troy. Well, the the adjective from my perspective that I would use to describe the season so far is shocking. Uh, Nobody expected this. Neil Brown had left the program in such good shape. Again, 31 wins in the last three years, four straight bowl wins, and and the talent is definitely there. The issue, as much as anything, has been – has been injuries, particularly defensively. Troy has had to start 20 different defenders. And not only, you know, injuries, guys that have been hurt that have been, you know, really counted upon, but also some defections with the coaching change. Some guys enter the transfer portal. Uh, one, two guys, um, didn't make their grades uh, that were really going to be depended upon. So the starting 11 on defense that you will see on Saturday at the vet is nowhere close to the starting 11 that we thought you would see when Georgia Southern rolled in, if you were to ask us at the beginning of the season. So that's been really the key. Defensively has been a real struggle, and that's been a disappointment. But again, there's underlying reasons why. Offensively, it's been great. There hasn't been, there hasn't been anything um, disconcerting or anything discouraging about offense at all. Even though Troy lost in week uh, three, the or in week two, the Sun Belt Conference preseason offensive player of the year in BJ Smith, the mm-hmm. offense has been has been dynamic with Caleb Barker, the quarterback, throwing and running it very well. There are about six wide receivers that have been you know really really productive. Uh, all the way up and down all the rotations that Troy has run at wide receiver. The offensive line has been good. And every game that Troy has played and lost in the league, they've been score fests. Troy has been able to score with anybody, but the difficulty has been stopping the other team from getting on the scoreboard just as much or more. And Barry, offensively, I know you talked about you know their ability to score points. Uh, what will they look like on Saturday as far as scheme uh, tempo and, and kind of just strategy. What, will it be similar to Troy teams of the past, or what can we expect uh, from the offense well, they, on Saturday? To me, to me, there are two keys there, Travis. There are two things to watch out for in, in terms of offense, and really two keys for the entire game. Uh, one of them is tempo. Troy will try to run it as uh, to run plays as fast as they can. They really need to do that, or at least they have in the past. I, my my prediction is is that Troy will try their best to slow things up a little bit. Um, it, this has been an offense that likes to get 80, 85 snaps a game. But you look at where they are right now against a Georgia Southern offense that is perfectly satisfied to just grind it out and take their time and run the clock and wear Troy down if they can. Troy needs to help their defense out. They need to do their best to keep their defense off the field as much as they can because when a drive starts for Georgia Southern, usually that possession lasts for a long time. So it, what we have seen so far, a high-tempo offense that throws it around a lot, Troy does sling it around a lot, I don't think the tempo is going to be as much this week just simply because Troy feels like they need to help that beleaguered Troy defense out as much as they can by keeping them off the field as much as they can. 
How has uh, how has quarterback Caleb Barker been this season? Uh, numbers wise, he looks really solid. But for those of us who haven't gotten a chance to see him week in and week out, what has been your assessment of him thus far? He's been he's been really good. You'll recall last year he missed half the year because of a knee injury. He's had right. three of those, and he rehabbed it well. And especially with Sawyer Smith, who had played against you guys last year down there in Statesboro and played well. Especially, you know, since he transferred as a graduate to Kentucky, it needed to be Caleb. It needed to be all Caleb uh, this year because there wasn't anybody really with meaningful snaps behind him. And he's been everything that he should be. He's been everything that Troy has needed him to be. The only time when he's gotten into trouble is when he has every once in a while felt the need to um, – to make plays that aren't there, to, to take what is not necessarily out there. Sometimes he feels pressure, you know, to score every play because, you know, the defense has been giving up so many points. And when he does that, he's gotten into trouble, but that hasn't happened very often. Uh, he has, he has a great arm. He's got a lot of receivers back there. He has really good speed. He, he's a very, very escapable in the pocket and he's got just enough of a running game to give him some support there. But yeah, the, the, the returns on Caleb Barker this year have been all outstanding. The reports on him have been good. Okay, Barry, let's jump to the defensive side of the ball for Troy. I know you said that they've been struggling there, and, and the stats tend to tend to back that up. But they are mm-hmm. number two in rushing defense in the league. It looks like a lot of their pass defense has been the problem against Georgia Southern. This Saturday, it should, you know, the passing game of Georgia Southern shouldn't really worry anybody. Uh, What is the plan you think for Troy facing this unique offense of Georgia Southern? It's tough. It's not a good matchup, to be honest with you, from Troy. And and you mentioned the, the numbers. Troy came into two weeks ago as the number one rush defense in the league. And a lot of the reason why Troy hadn't been giving up many yards on the ground is because nobody has has really had to do it. They've been throwing it against Troy with their very, very inexperienced secondary, and they've been throwing it to, to great effect. At least that's what we told ourselves, is that was the reason why. You thought, well, you know, the Troy defense, the run defense has been good, Everything's going to be fine. Nobody's been able to run against us. It's just that they're throwing the, you know, the ball so much. And then Troy went to Georgia State two weeks ago. And Georgia State ran for a school record 390 yards in that game. I mean, and at most of it was between the tackles. They hit Troy with the one game, and they, Troy didn't have an answer for them. They had a kid um, that, that ran for 242 yards. That was a dose of reality for Troy that they've had to deal with. Uh, Coastal Carolina didn't run it all that much in getting their win last week. But, yeah, it's all about stopping the one. And the one team that absolutely accentuated the one offensively that Troy has faced was able to run at will. That That is a critical matchup and one that I just pray Troy – you know, uh, slows down some. They they need to hold their own. I'm not sure that they can, but to me, that's where the outcome of the game lies. If Troy can control the tempo on offense, and if they can at least slow down that option attack on the ground from Georgia Southern when Troy's on defense. Yeah, Barry, a lot of us saw the the Twitter highlight or the Twitter video from y'all's game at Georgia State. Uh, sure. a, lot, a lot of noise up there, huh? Oh, my gosh. Well, and there's not a whole lot from the crowd. Uh, you know that. I know that. Everybody in the state of Georgia knows that. The crowd 
has never they spend there's a lot of other things to do in Atlanta than watch Georgia State football and for years everybody has taken advantage of those other things and not watched Georgia State football so that's the reason why they won the train whistle at 150 decibels every chance they get is at least to have a simulation of some crowd noise and yeah the, my, my Twitter account Twitter at Barry McKnight we ran a little video of just how difficult it was to do our jobs to broadcast with that uh, incredibly loud train whistle out there I, I was not a fan of it um, and you know the, the the other disconcerting fact about how loud it was is because because they hung 52 on us so we had to hear it quite a bit as well Right. Well, I, I can promise you this, Barry, that those listening to this podcast are a okay with any kind of uh, any kind of criticism of Georgia State or Georgia State Stadium or anything uh, that they can get their hands on. So you're in good company well, there. Oh yeah, no, no question. I, I I know the audience to which you are to which you are broadcasting, and I uh, I, I know they feel the same way I do. I was I was ready to get out of there by the time it was over. <laughs> okay, Barry. Let's let's uh, specifically for Saturday. Um, you, you've kind of hinted at, at what it might be like, but what what do you think Saturday brings for Troy and Georgia Southern? What do you think it looks like? And if you're brave enough, uh, a prediction for Saturday's game? Well, no predictions on this. Uh, I've never been good at that. I am dead last in my church's pick'em contest behind our church secretary, so that probably won't help anybody out. But I, I do think again that there are there are the individual keys I talked about. Troy trying to control the tempo, maybe slow things down offensively, trying to slow down Georgia Southern's rush attack defensively. If you're looking at individual players, I really really think Troy middle linebacker Carlton Marshall has got to have seriously about 14 or 15 tackles in that game. He's been the best tackler in the Sunbelt Conference. He leads in tackles and tackles for loss. He's a little guy that doesn't look like a linebacker. All he does is make plays. He has got to be very active against that option attack. And offensively, I think the the key for Georgia Southern will be shy words. Uh, when When he's been out there and when he's been healthy and he's been out there, he's been he's just been really dynamic. He hasn't had the super huge plays except for a couple against Appalachian State. But what he's been able to do is deal the ball away, make quick decisions. And that's something that Troy, quite frankly, has struggled with defensively is, an, is a running attack where you've got to account for more than one primary rusher. That's definitely what Georgia Southern brings. Okay, Barry. Well, listen, we really appreciate it. you want to let everyone know how they can follow you on Twitter and if they uh, want to listen to y'all's broadcast. Well, yeah, we, my, my Twitter account is, is at Barry McKnight. I, you know, I've got, there's a lot of game stories, a lot of insights into what we do as a uh, program down here at Troy Plus, some other stuff as well. Of course, um, I'm looking forward to having, um, Georgia Southern people come over in Detroit. It used to be a phenomenal rivalry back in the old one double A days. There's some great people, some great memories, and I've got a lot of great friends over there in Statesboro. I'm looking forward to seeing coming in Detroit this weekend for sure. Awesome, Barry. Yeah, we're looking forward to it too. And we appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Ass 